Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Katie Bella Show. I'm your host, Katrina Goodlett, aka Katie Bella. 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 Good evening. Good evening. It's Monday, January 19th, 2015. Welcome to the Kitty Bella Show. Happy MLK Day. We're broadcasting live from the Trans Hack headquarters in Oakland, California. Woo! I am so happy to be here. This is an honor. I started this show a year ago, and to be in Oakland, California today is so dope. Please go to the webpage at blogstopradio.com forward slash the Katie Bella Show and check out our upcoming episodes as well as our podcasted interviews that are on demand 24-7. The beauty in podcasts is that you don't need to spend time viewing a program. You can listen to the Kitty Bella Show while doing laundry, going for a walk, working out, and driving. With a hand-free device, of course. Please go to our Facebook page, The Kitty Pillow Show, and like our page, please, and follow me on Twitter at TweetTrina, the number four, L-Y-S-E. Also, please utilize social media during the show. If you like something you hear, you want to make a comment, use the hashtag. Tonight's hashtag will be hashtag TransHack, T-H, the number four, C-K, hashtag The Kitty Bella Show, and hashtag T-W-O-C-C. There will be a live Twitter chat utilizing those two hashtags hosted by T-Walk National and T-Walk Ohio. Please comment, provide your feedback and analysis. Just don't forget to include those two hashtags. Also, if you rather call by telephonic instruments at 347-237-4756, all we ask is that you be in a quiet place. Turn the volume up. And we will be taking questions tonight. You can listen to the show from the telephone. This is a groundbreaking new show on Block Talk Radio. We will discuss all kinds of issues here, from the mundane to the serious, and go beyond the sensational issues and discuss the real issues that occur in trans folk lives. We will discuss all aspects of my guest lives. We are so much more than genitalia. Many of us have persevered despite daily oppression. Trans folk are everywhere. Our lives matter. The fact the fact is I'm really not supposed to be here. A black trans woman producing, hosting a radio program online. So for me, just being in this space is an act of revolution. But how do we push the agenda forward? How do we continuously elevate the conversation and steer towards issues of importance? Tonight's show will feature the brilliance of Dr. Courtney Ryan Ziegler. Courtney is the first person to graduate with a Ph.D. in African-American Studies from Northwestern University. Courtney directed the critically acclaimed Still Black documentary. Courtney also founded TransHack and is the co-founder of Black Star Media. Courtney will be here tonight to discuss all things trans men of color. We will also discuss Courtney's varied business and pursuits outside of just the trans community. Courtney has so many intersections. Courtney will tell us about his experience growing up in Oakland, his love for academia and technology, and his baby dog, Doe, of course, so much more. So what the tea? That didn't go too good. Okay, so what the tea? Ew. There we go. <laughs> what an amazing time to live unapologetically in your truth. Trans Women of Color Collective continued hashtag the slayage with our national director, Lord Ashley Hunter's canyon-shattering keynote speech at the Black Light Matter Conference in Tucson, Arizona last week, not to be confused with hashtag Black Lives Matter. This conference has no affiliation to that movement. The conference was turned into a call to action by a national director. Lords brought so many fields into the atmosphere. I was honored to be there in support as her sister. 
I shared it. I would be amiss if I didn't talk about some things that did not go well, though, at that conference. Are we actually surprised, people? Like, really? Really? Erasure is so real, so fucking real. How do you organize a black life? L-I-F-E-S, matter conference. With white folk facilitating workshops on matters pertaining to black folk. Where they do that at? How do you say black lives matter and have no intentionality in the way things are done? Why was my sister Lord the only trans woman of color keynote? Intentionality is having several trans women of color or trans persons of color keynoting. We are more than capable. How do you have a black lives matter conference in Arizona on colonized land and have no gatherings in the mountains? The amazing scenery should have been more than just an amazing backdrop to the conference. Fellow sister in solidarity, Monica Jones from Arizona, the actual area where this conference took place, and a black sister who made major headlines there for the wrongful criminal persecution of her own prostitution. She would have made an excellent keynote, like, duh, by far. Actually, that would have made sense. Nope, instead they played the erasure game. Also, when Monica did speak, it was only on a panel of other cis folk. Why did the conference wait till day two to have a trans woman of color speak? Again, intentionality. Amplifying the most oppressed and strategically having several trans women of color speak and keynote on day one. Nonetheless, we still slay dragons. National Director Bush receives a standing ovation for his speech. Let's pour into this work, y'all. We are so close to meeting our goal. www.twocc.us. Help a seed. I would like to also shout out to my sister, Lady Dane, for an amazing time last week during the reading of her self-created musical Roaring. I was moved by its superb writing, musicality, her song selections, and intentionality. So wish to affirm into existence that her existence that her show gets to Broadway, or even a full reading with costume changes. Yes, Dane, I see it. And a movement. It will be just. It will really shine. Report into her work at LadyDaneSE.com. Don't forget, we are live tonight. You can participate via the Twitter hashtag, hashtag T4HCK, hashtag TWCC. Um, where should we go? I guess we should bring our first guest on. Why not? Dr. Courtney Ryan Ziegler, what else is there to say? He is an amazing man, and this is the second time he'll be coming on this show. The first time he slayed dragons from a freaking airport. <laughs> so tonight, hopefully, we'll have a much more um, quieter uh, interview and atmosphere. And so he's just an amazing man, and we're having this show live from his headquarters. It's super dope. And so I'm going to bring him right on because there really is no other introduction. Like, this man is just so dope. And so I bring to you guys the amazing Dr. Ryan Courtney Ziegler. <laughs> How's it going? Good evening, Courtney. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. Yeah. Right. The first time of the show, we were, like, dodging airplanes and agents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, <laughs> where are you coming from? I forgot it. I said, where are you coming from, like, a conference or um, a conference? I, I was coming from some conference. I don't remember. I traveled a lot, uh, Last year, so I was on a plane quite often. <laughs> so I don't remember. I just Absolutely. Had to find a quiet spot in the airport so we can have a conversation. But Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and to be uh, broadcasting the show live from Oakland and from the TransHack uh, headquarters. Thank you so much. And so I just want to thank you for that. Um, can you talk to our audience? Tell us, uh, tell our audience. Um, a little bit about yourself. Uh, who is Dr. Ziegler? You grew up in Oakland, correct? No, I actually grew up in Los Angeles. Grew up in Southern California. You grew up in Los Angeles. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And so when did you transplant to Oakland? Um, I've been in Oakland uh, about a decade now. Um, I've spent some time in San Francisco, um, then shifted there, moving to Oakland, and then moved to Chicago for school and moved back to Oakland because I enjoyed living here so much that I wanted to move 
Um, so this last stint, I've been um, in Oakland since 2009, so six-plus years since moving back from Chicago. Absolutely, and it sounds like you're very excited when you talk about moving back to Oakland. Can you tell our listeners, including myself, what is it about Oakland? What 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 is it that draws you here? Um, I... I think I like the history of it, like the historical aspect of Oakland and kind of the radicalness of it and things of that nature. But I also enjoy the youthfulness of it, um, the really strong community of entrepreneurs, um, particularly people of color. There's a strong queer vibe here. Um, There's no driving. I mean, there's driving. There's less driving than Los Angeles. And that would have been my other place where I I would have lived. (laughs) <laughs> moving back to California. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's surrounded by nature. It's beautiful. I just enjoy I enjoy living in the Bay Area. I'm in love with it. So. Absolutely. And it's beautiful from what I've seen. I've been out here, everyone, the last few days, and I'm just enjoying it. It's so beautiful. Um, I'm glad that you brought up that aspect about there being a queer presence. And so I would like to ask you, Courtney, what is, what is the trans person of color community or the trans community in general like in Oakland? Is there a presence? Yeah, I think uh, there's totally a presence. Um, I'm here. There's quite a, you know, since you've been here, I've seen quite a few other people here. There's definitely a community of folks here. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily a lot of institutional structures set in place for kind of communal gathering for trans people of color, um, particularly organizations um, and things like that, but there's definitely we create our own community. You know what I mean? Like being one another's friends and um, chosen family and things like that. So that's pretty. It's kind of a different socialization of trans people here, I think, as opposed to other places. Um, so, which is fascinating on its own. I think it brings a different, a particular kind of diversity. Uh, and not to use that word <laughs> in, in a, you know. Just, because everybody's using that word, but in terms of a different, you know, like a plethora of trans identities, I think that not having institutional spaces in some ways lends that, but then it's also at a fault because it's like what you were we were talking about earlier, like why would you move to a space that doesn't have any services to kind of protect you and help you out? So there are things like that. But with all that said, there's definitely a community of folks here. Okay, um, so can you talk about, I know a lot of times um, you said there's a community here, but I know a lot of times you discuss the constant uh, erasure of trans men of color from conversations. Um, can mm-hmm. you just discuss that, discuss that constant erasure that you uh, feel comes that comes about oftentimes in the trans community narrative? Um I say this because we know, I know you know and I know and everyone that's listening out right now knows that the majority of murders of trans uh, folk are trans women of color. So I just question, like, why shouldn't we focus on the trans women narrative um, more if those are the people who are being killed, you know what I'm saying? Like, what what do you feel is not happening as far as trans men of color that you feel that you're being erased, that that trans of color. Uh, I don't, I, well, first of all, I think that those are two separate issues. I don't think the erasure of trans men from national discourses of trans identity have anything to do with kind of saying that discussions shouldn't focus on also the the really violent acts, you know, fatal acts that happen to trans women of color at all. Um, so I'm, I don't think that that's a fair kind of way to, uh, for me to in, kind of enter the, the question. Um, okay. I do think that I do think that um, in larger discussions of trans transness, right, in terms of media representations and a lot of things that trans men and particularly trans men of color are absent, um, and medical discourse as well. And so I talk a lot about that erasure because in my life, for example, um, knowing, excuse me, like knowing the effects of kind of hormone uses or, or, or doctors which I can, you know, kind of utilize and navigate um, or even, you know, no, kind of information is like kind of medical discourse kind of erases trans men and particularly trans men of color again. 
um, just as much as okay. trans women of color. But I think that there's just a, a national discussion that's happening that not, I don't think it privileges trans women of color at all. I think it privileges white trans people um, of all genders. And so I don't think that me speaking up for to be validated and have my experiences authenticated has anything to do, it kind of like offsets the reality that there also needs to be attention to um, the, the lived experience of trans women of color at all. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. So definitely, and and I don't. Yeah, it's, there's also like I don't think that there's. We should also be focusing more or less on on anybody's lives at all. I think there's room enough for everybody's right. issues to be addressed. But again, when we have national discussions and larger discussions, when it comes to funding, when it comes to um, research, when it comes to opportunity, I think that there definitely needs to be more similarities about how we all kind of experience these, you know, these intersections, right? We talk a lot about intersectionality, um, where that trans men of color experience violence and, and maybe it's not in the same, maybe we don't, we're not murdered, you know, the statistics are not the same at all, but um, there are also kind of experiences that we share that we can kind of forge coalition building so that no one feels that one narrative trumps the other um, and so that no one also feels excluded. So I think that I'm I'm very diplomatic in my approach. Um, okay. In my and also and also my analysis, and I'm very aware that one can one doesn't kind of erase the other, but that as Black trans men and trans women are kind of marginalized <laughs> in multiple discourses. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm just trying to get to the context of what you're saying. Like, in no way was I trying to like compare. Say you were comparing the two. Um, so I just want that to be clear. Like that was it. Maybe I I read the question wrong, um, Courtney. But I don't want you to to think that's where I was situating. But I did want you to talk about that constant erasure yeah, of definitely. trans men of color from the conversation. Juxtapose the fact that trans women are dying, and that is the reality. But how do yeah, we and, balance and so, the two and create that narrative for also, everyone? And it's also interesting because there's a lot of you know talk about like. Um, cis black people don't really talk, you know, there's no rallies, you know, when trans black trans women are murdered. And that's very interesting because black trans men pound the streets. You know, we also, we're very vocal when our sisters are murdered. And so we're excluded from even those conversations. So when I talk about erasure, it's not just about, like, from trans people as well. It's from, like, we're even, like, kind of erased as being supportive of our own community in multiple ways. And so... Um, in in addition to, I think, you know, my friends and loved ones and children and family being vocal about how their community of black trans women is, are, are being murdered and imprisoned and, you know, you know victims of all, all types of crimes, black trans men are also, we're listening and we're very vocal um, through the work that we do to also bring awareness to that situation and those types of situations as well. And so when uh, people outside of the community don't honor that, um, and we're kind of reduced to, you know, well, we're kind of reduced mm-hmm. to not even having a voice in those conversations. Then it becomes it becomes a problem, and it becomes like Absolutely. then these kind of like the divisions are kind of erected. These false divisions are erected, um, and then when we do speak out and say, hey, listen to us, we're not we're not saying that we have to, our experiences are, are, but we're also showing how we're supportive and loving of one another, and um, those things also get erased, and that's very problematic for me. Absolutely, Ashe, to all of that. Um, social media is already lighting you up, and they are <laughs> uh, affirming everything that you're saying. They are giving it life. And so um, thank you for clarifying um, and putting that into context. Um, how, what do you think, though, Court, as far as do you think that trans men of color uh, hold any accountability for any of the lack of visibility? Because as you and I both know, many have chosen a life of stealth where as a trans yeah. woman, some of us have a harder time with the quote-unquote passing um, that mm-hmm. society puts on us. And in some instances, the work is thrusted onto our shoulders as TWAP. So, you know, by those experiences every day, like, so can you talk about that a little bit, like some of that, that actual yeah, like, privilege I think, that many trans men do yeah. have and take advantage of? 
yeah, I think that there's something to be said about some of us who undergo medical transition and in some ways achieve social passing of being perceived as cisgender men or men of color, you know, whatever. And <laughs> some of us want to want to kind of, uh, not, and, and rightfully so, don't have to be <laughs> activists and, and maybe just don't continue being a black person who wakes up every day and, and fucking decides to live their life. <laughs> you know, okay. it's, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's just you know, as we talk, it's their own self activism, right? Um, but again, I don't think it's a. It need, there's necessary needs to be a critical mass of people who are out and loud and saying this is who we are and this is what we're doing. It's just that there again, there needs to be recognition of the work that people who are out and who are doing. And there is, I think, there's growing. And I'm not going to be like, oh, y'all. Trans people don't get shit because <laughs> that's not true. Um, that's not true at all. I honor the work that you're doing. You do, like so many of us in the community do. Um, but again, in the in you know, I'm also a scholar, so in in academic research, we're invisible, we're missing. Um, and again, and I and I talk about, and I'm starting to really talk about medical research because I am a person who who continues to be going under. Continues to be undergoing a medical transition, and so I have a lot of questions. I have questions about my age, my youth. My, I mean, my, my not my age, um, my health, my age. You know, surgeries, surgical options, um, hormone use. What's going to happen to me when I'm a doctor when I'm 55? You know, all of these things that there doesn't seem to be a significant interest um, of a body of work being done to kind of address those solutions. And I'm also yes. not saying that that work is being done to address trans women of color at all. I'm not I'm not comparing that at all. No, of course I'm just not. saying of that not. when I when I see when I and I just want to keep clarifying that because I think that when I say when I talk a lot about like well we're invisible, people are just like, Well, that means you're just you're just trying to, you know, be a misogynist and trying to tear it down and it's like, no, that's not exactly mm-hmm. what I'm saying at all. Um again there's intersections and there's always experiences that we all have as uh, trans black people <laughs> that just a lot of people just are just kind of missing or missing out. Um, they're they're kind of glossing over and not really kind of involving a, a very critical eye so we can kind of move, you know, conversations uh, in a different direction and figure out how can we can prevent, you know, people from being murdered, people from being in prison, people from being, having to, choose lives that they, you know, um, of economically sustaining themselves in ways that they don't want to, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for expanding on that because that was just something that I noticed that comes up a lot of times in the conversation in terms of visibility and um, mm-hmm. male privilege. Um, can you talk about a little bit of some of your experiences um, in terms of uh, we know we have this this current climate of uh, mistrust for the criminal justice system because of what is done to us. And I know that some of us have had some really bad experiences with police and racial profiling and with Mm -hmm. the deaths and murders of Mike Brown and Eric Garner and so many other of our folk and of our black women as well and black babies. Can you talk about specifically as a trans woman of color how the police and interactions with you, um, how how they have affected you? What have your experiences been like? Um, I guess, you know, the cliche. I think every um, person who is perceived to be a cisgender black male is considered to be threatening, right? Um that's something we all know, and and I get tired of saying that, <laughs> even though it's like something that occurs every <laughs> single day. But it's like, um, you know, what you got? You know, like you already know the answer to that. But like, it's something that I have to vocalize right. because, um, it is it is real. It is it. You know, uh, I am definitely treated very, <laughs> being accused of stealing much more in my life in the past. I don't know, <laughs> five years. Mm-hmm, having, a, having a beard, so it's, it's pretty crazy. But um, I think again, it, it brings up issues of intersectionality and the threat of of all our lives, you know, that of Black lives being um, un, un, in danger, um, especially a Black life that chooses to 
deviate from some <laughs> some some that's social norm, and that maybe social norm is seeing as the stereotypes or, or or is not right, and so um, the kind of recent the, the past year of seeing so many black men murdered and on tape, and we're all just watching it, and we like these hashtags are made and these movements are formed, right? These movements, and it's so beautiful to witness yes. it and. It's yeah. sad. To, it's sad that we were doing this game, but it's so amazing to be like, wow, you know, like people are we, people, black lives do fucking matter, <laughs> and black people are fucking saying it. And um, but yeah, you do as a trans person, you you feel a little sad because again, there's no uproar for when black queer folks are murdered, um, and murdered at the hands of the police, murdered at the hands of anybody, murdered at the hands of lovers, um, community members, leaders, and so that's is is disappointing and sad, um, but it's also again a space where we can look toward uh, black trans other black trans people in the community who are definitely doing work and bringing recognition to uh, lives that have been lost to police violence and just hate crimes in general. So, absolutely, absolutely, and I think a lot of times folk don't realize some of the discrimination you face as a trans man when you are uh, brought into the criminal justice system. Can you just talk about some of those um, issues that folks don't think about in terms of the the, 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 the nastiness that you face when you're um, being processed through that system? Yeah, I've, I've never experienced that. I've uh, been uh, <laughs> on the verge of almost going to jail just for being misread as an intruder. And I, talk, I think I talked about this the last time on your show, um, which was like a significant turning point in my transition because it was like, oh, well, in some ways uh, the T started working, right? Because <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> and not that it wouldn't prior, if it didn't that's work. Crazy, right, though, that that's crazy, though, that that's like an indication. Like that's like <laughs> the, the like... indication of the transition is that <laughs> You're being stopped as a black, you know, like just the, yeah. you know, just the like sad irony, like, like the tragic irony of that. <laughs> I was like, well, right on time, kind of shit. So, wow. um, yeah, and you know, but I was, you know, at that point, I they the police officers perceived me to be, the, I mean, my trans status hasn't come into question because I haven't had to go into any kind of type of incarceration system. But I'm assuming. Um, from what I know, from what I'm told, and from what I research in the world, that uh, there's similar issues being faced, of being um, put in uh, spaces where that don't match your gender, <laughs> um, being mistreated, being right. sexually assaulted, um, all of these things, uh, you know, not being able to uh, have access to, you know, the outside world, talking to family members and things like that. So I think, again, it just becomes about being a trans individual in a, in a prison industrial complex, that those things are going to, you're going to experience similar forms of discrimination across the board. And again, which form strong points of coalition building, uh, just black folks in general, uh, definitely. So, Absolutely. So, Courtney, how do we move forward um, with, <laughs> already like this sort of like narrative that's being uh experienced out here. How do we move forward as a trans person, how does a trans person of color move forward to create um your entrepreneur, you have uh several businesses. Can you tell audience about just uh some of the businesses and projects that you are part of? You don't have to go into detail, but like just, you know, you know, just spit a few. Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug the shit out of what I do. I'm going to take detail. Trust yeah. me, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> get that get that Kitty Bella show money. Uh, <laughs> right, no, right. I uh, just give a quick background. I uh, I had a pretty dope career um, as a grad student. I was doing a lot of work as an artist and um, kind of making my way with that. And finished school and experienced some discrimination in the in the. Um, institution I was in, and just really fell on hard times about finding employment. And I thought that, that was the way I was going to go. Um, even though I had this, like, really dope art career as a student, which was in some ways really shaping myself as a, a freelancing, shaping myself to become an entrepreneur in ways that I wasn't quite aware of. Um, 
So I fell on hard times. <laughs> Couldn't, you know, find anything. Was like, I lost a lot of shit in my life. And I was like, man, what can I do? I um, had a partner at the time, and we opened up a brick-and-mortar uh, boutique here in Oakland. And uh, this was four years ago at the point at, at the time. I was like, one of my first kind of, like, real uh, experiences of being an entrepreneur because that was when I was really involving myself in, in learning business models and, and figuring out plans and um, talking to customers and trying to figure out what people want and being and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and um, really studying the craft of how to make money. <laughs> um, right. Because I had gone through a, a period of like not making money and just and realizing that, but I was like so awesome and I've done so much, so much awesome stuff and like just nobody was trying to fuck with me and I was like, well, okay, I got to you know kind of pave my own way. Um, so from then on, I just kind of move forward with helping to build that business and um, just involving myself in the entrepreneurial scene here in Oakland, which is, you know, Silicon Valley or part of it. It's definitely San Francisco number two it's becoming. <laughs> and so it's really kind of a tech-centric entrepreneurial space. Um, and okay. I am a nerd to the core, and so I kind of then got involved with figuring out how can I um, – also create a space in which that kind of remedies the kind of economic deficiencies that affect the trans community because I had gone through that um, experience mm-hmm. of discrimination and not being on a job and being broke as fuck, and I was like, this has got to change. So I was like, what can I do? I'm in, I'm in tech central. Um, so one of the ideas that I thought of was, well, I'll, I'll you know kind of borrow this um, collaborative model from hackathons. They happen a lot here um, where people come together and um, – programmers and all kinds of techie people and, you know, even non-techie people as well come together and um, make awesome apps and stuff, right? I mean, we greatly borrowed that model for uh, trans economic empowerment. And my main goal was to really figure out how to develop Mm -hmm. a fellowship for trans people. And so um, I was like, well, that would be a great way to kind of build something and scale it and prove it (laughs) and have a proof of concept and people would be like, okay, there's kind of genuine interest in creating a space where trans people are in control of, like, creating technology um, that's really focused on empowering their lives. Um, there's got to be a way that that can be financially sustained. So I developed TransHack, um, had a successful launch in 2013, um, scaled into a national series uh, where we traveled the country. We just recently held an event at Harvard in partnership with their Harvard Innovation Lab um, this past November, which was super awesome um, mm-hmm. because it was friends' uh, entrepreneurial focus. And so invited uh, leaders of organizations and companies to come tell their stories, and people made amazing apps over the weekend. And so really moving forward with uh, shifting TransHack into an official uh, uh, fellowship for trans people, paid fellowship, so that's what it will be the future of TransPAC. But I'm also currently working on an educational startup with my co-founder, Tiffany Michael. Shout out. <laughs> um, awesome, uh, awesome software engineer. And we uh, met actually when I brought uh, TransPAC to Chicago this past April. And she helped or- co-organize that. And so she approached me and was like, I would really like to continue working with you. And I was like, okay, let's, you know. And she was like, let's start a company. And I was like, okay, let's start a company. And so we are building a startup that's uh, focused on providing education, support, and resources for entrepreneurs of color because what we're finding, for entrepreneurs of color and technologists of color, because what we're finding is that there's not really spaces in which we can learn from one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to uh, better hone our craft um, in the digital space where people look like us, where, where you know, and we can build networks of people who look like us. And so that was important for us to provide that service, and that's what I'm kind of dedicating 100% of my energy towards right now. And you all can visit us at uh, blackstarmedia.org, B-L-A-C-K-S-T-A-R, N-E-D-I-A dot org and check out uh, what we're doing through Black Star Launch. So, who? 
Right, like, I felt like all of that, like, just deserved a bomb. Like, it was just, like, yeah. you're setting it off. And, like, can you yeah, talk about that, though, like, Court? Can you talk about, like, that, the fact that we talked about this earlier, like, there is no, there's nothing wrong with being a trans person who is a business owner. Can you just talk about, like, that aspect of the trans experience, like, making money is okay? Yeah, making money is okay. Um, I think it's imperative to to even well for all of us, right? It, you know, it's we it's the world we live in, and for any of us to do the work that we want to do um, as activist advocates or just straight up <laughs> business folks, it's important to sustain ourselves. And I think we get caught up with feeling kind of an obligation to the community, which we do. And a lot of the work that I do will forever be, um, and some, you know, sometimes I jokingly complain, or sometimes I seriously complain about, like, I, you know, I give up social justice work. It's frustrating, and yeah, it is frustrating. It's hard. It's difficult, but there's value in it that it kind of supersedes any kind of financial compensation that I can benefit from. So I'll always be a person who believes in some sort of uh, service that we have to provide towards our communities. But I also don't forget that I cannot provide that service unless I'm financially sustained in my life. And so it's okay for us um, to eat. <laughs> it's okay for us right. to, to to be compensated for our talents and our gifts um, because we're more than just trans advocates. <laughs> you know, we're like right, we're right. great orators, we're, we're great painters, we're great speakers, we're great um, writers and all these filmmakers and content creators, whatever the you know, all types of things these days, and mm-hmm, it's okay for us mm-hmm. to to be compensated for that if 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 we figure out how to get people to buy it. <laughs> um, who am I to say that that's right. wrong? I think what's wrong is that if if we police people who have figured out how to do that, um, I think a lot of people police people who have figured out how to do that not because they're just like you're doing some disservice to the community, but really that they're kind of in some ways wanting to figure out how to do it themselves and haven't quite or are kind of nervous to ask for help or, you know, and I think a lot of people, um, and not that, this is not everybody, but I think some people really want to figure out how to to be okay with feeling okay that they're worthy of making money from um, their talents and in a way that is not just a traditional job in particular. <laughs> so. Right. Absolutely. I say to all of that. Um, how about we take a phone call? Okay. Um, the last four on this phone call is 8270. 8270. Hi, Anna Kitty Bella Show. Hello? Hello, eight two seven zero. Okay. Um, let's move on. <laughs> well, what are some of the pros and cons, Courtney, of entrepreneurship? Um, I think with anything, the cons would be uh, every there's risk risk involved in everything. Um. Figuring out what works and what doesn't work takes time as a con. But there's pros, like, uh, you know, I I like to work from home. I work from home <laughs> every day. And right. sometimes there's a lot of things that I, I appreciate that I have that ability to um, work in my own space and kind of set my own boundaries of how I work. Mm-hmm. So that's a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to define oneself and one's journey in life um, and feeling that you are creating something that you're proud of um, and that will hopefully get passed to the world in a very positive way, um, at least the work that the entrepreneurship that I believe in, um, that I believe in that you, it's possible to make money, but not everything is about making money if it's a detriment to kind of my morals or if I can't sleep at night. <laughs> so. Right, right. Um yeah. What about in terms of uh, 
technology has shaped your life as a trans man of color? Yeah, I... How uh, has technology shaped your life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm addicted to it, I guess. <laughs> I, you know, use it in all aspects of my um, professionalism. And it's been that way since I've had a computer since I was a teenager, just figuring out how to use not just the Internet, but, like, the actual computer itself in terms of software and, and things like that. Um, you create things that never existed before and also to forge different relationships with, with people. Um, as people say, I'm kind of a Twitter fanatic nowadays, and I guess that's kind of low-level technology, but <laughs> it's, like, a technology, mm-hmm. a technology that I really enjoy and has really shaped my world um, in the past few years that I've uh, been using it, and so I really find community through technology, um, and also just so much possibility, just the, the potential things that can be built um, with the techn- technological resources we have today. Just like you know, even this radio show, <laughs> creating documents of that, right? And just um, being able to uh, you know develop this new archive of of you know, just not only just identities, but, again, things that are just impactful toward the world. Uh-huh. So technology is really special to me. Um, like I said, I wake up and tweet. <laughs> and uh-huh. you know, I'm nine. <laughs> and then, you know. <laughs> like us all, right? You know, that, you know, I'm constantly using technology. Our, our you know, our whole Black Star Media is, is an educational uh, platform for technologists and entrepreneurs of color, so it's like we're using technology to reach out to people that we, you know, wouldn't have before, and specifically having things, um, again, having people, black folks, <laughs> people of color, um, shown using that type of technology is important, so. How do you think that trends people, trans folk of color, can utilize technology for their benefit to make money. Um, what are what are some of your uh, thoughts? Um, I guess there's multiple ways. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. I was uh, tweeting the other day and um, a queer person was tweeting me who was a cam girl, and I was just like, and they're starting a website. <laughs> and I was like, you go, girl. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the way that technology is <laughs> being used, you know. And, you know, they're really thinking about, like, how to develop a site and just, you know, really how to maximize um, their image and create their brand and things like that. And so I think there's, like, you know, that's just one way, but, you know, there's multiple ways in which technology can be used. And it's not just... um I mean, people can learn a code if they want to and really take advantage of industry in that way. In particular, Trantac, um, again, launched in September 2013, and um, quite a few people have participated in events and have gone on to have <laughs> to acquire, like, you know, you know, well-paying uh, junior developer jobs. Um, on their way to becoming better paying <laughs> higher developer jobs. So um that was that's one way that technology has changed people's lives in terms of introduce transact has changed people's lives in terms of introducing people to an industry that in some ways um offers uh better way better financial stability than than other industries um in such a short amount of time if you're invested in kind of learning the code. Um, and not to say that's what I'm recommending people to do, um, even though a lot of my work is uh, supporting people who want to do that. But again, that's right because not everybody ways. wants to code or can code. <laughs> yeah, every yeah, some people believe everybody should code. Um, if they if everybody should code if they want to code, that's what I believe. But uh, but there right. is a possibility to to then you know in some ways use technology to your advantage and also just like. Right, so having right. your own business as an entrepreneur, um, generating a customer base through online spaces, um, selling your wares through online spaces, uh, finding out about events and meetups through online spaces, um, or using technology as part of your product. I just think that there's, again, a limited ways of which trans people um, 
can take advantage of of learning either low level tech skills or incorporating tech skills into their life or um figuring out how to or you know we're all makers. There's a lot of a lot of makers in the community, right? Um figuring out how to incorporate mm-hmm. that stuff. <laughs> so Absolutely. Um what do you think, Courtney, in terms of apps? Like what apps or programs should trans folk be working on right now? Um hmm. I don't know. <laughs> like, I think that anything they want to, I, I, I don't think that there needs to only be trans stuff, trans apps. Um, at the last, last trans hack, uh, again, these space, trans hack spaces are open to, even though it's about creating technology for the trans community, kind of to empower us, um, allies. Because there and, is a need, <laughs> like there is a need out there correctly, right? Yeah, I think there's a need for a lot of issues that affect trans people. Um, right. Our trans hack, Rad Remedy, for example, is, uh, which became an organization, um, they kind of, they won trans hack Chicago and are developing an app that kind of ranks and rates, uh, cert- uh, not surgical providers, but uh, medical providers. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So trans people can better navigate um, which resources we access, right? Which is a, a definite need and they're addressing it. Um there's also a project that did not come out of a trans hack, but uh, it's called uh, Refuge Restrooms, which is an app that kind of locates uh, gender-neutral or gender-safe restrooms. And, you know, that can be used to in, be kind of built upon and, you know, make it, you know, how, how does this apply to people of color um, who the restrooms may not be, they may be gender-safe, but they may not be racial-safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, things like that, I think it's important to, um, there are always multiple angles. There, there are apps that are being developed, um, but there are always ways to improve those. But I think that there's always there's definitely ways in which technology can can kind of address the social issues that we face. Right. Um, so another right. Kind of idea that I, you know, you know, there's like people have tried to like launch like LGBT kind of crowdfunding platforms and things like that, and and I don't I haven't really seen one that's kind of been the most successful or like something that people are kind of jumping to use. But I think that that's another great idea because we see a lot of crowdfunding happening um, amongst trans people, and I think that there's something that can improve that so that we can reach a wider audience or, you know, to go beyond uh, just our immediate network and things like that. So, yeah, there's just, like, a host of ideas that I think about and that uh, are developed at it, within trans act spaces. Um, and so... Yeah. Wow, we just had a fantastic uh, tweet from our T-Walk Ohio handle, and they're asking, Courtney, like, what's that app to locate those gender-neutral restrooms? Like, that would make a good oh, app, correct? Yeah, Refuge Restrooms. It, it, yeah, it's an actual app. <laughs> um, there we go. See, information's being shared on the Kitty Bella show. <laughs> I, I would I would tweet it right now, but I'm um I'm using my phone for the interview, and so I can't uh, tweet at the same time, unfortunately. Right. But, I know. Uh, yeah. I'll, right. Yeah. Refuge restrooms that you look them up up there on Twitter. Um, right there's a website, and at the last last trend hack, um, a team of developers uh took the Yo. Do you do y'all use Yo? An app that just tweets Yo. I mean, text Yo to your friends, not tweets. Um, sends a yo message and so it's like so simple but they kind of use that to make refuge restrooms more mobile so you can um, send a yo to yo refuge restrooms um, or no yo restrooms and it'll send a yo back to you with uh, uh, use your location to find restrooms within I guess a 10 mile radius oh wow Uh, yes work and that oh, was created at again um, at the event in at Harvard in November. So, yes, shout out to that event in Harvard that was uh, uh, attended by amazing number of people. Who else was there? Yes, uh, Lord uh, Ashley Hunter the, was there. Correct. Lord was there. Uh, Angelica Ross, founder of Transtech, was there. Um, Mm-hmm. Riley Johnson, I just I just mentioned uh, Rad Remedy uh, spoke on the panel. Uh, right. I'm blinking. Al- Allison Robinson, 
um, vice president of LGBT Tech Partnership, uh, presented on the panel, and Evelyn Ross, who uh, just left uh, the company that she was co-founder of, so I don't want to misname where she's at now. But, yeah, so that it was an amazing panel, um, and amazing people participated, so... Absolutely. Um, Courtney, talk to our listeners and everyone about Black Star Media. Can you just tell us exactly um, where that uh, brainchild came from and what is Black Star Media? Yeah. um, Yeah, like I said, so Tiffany and I met in Chicago and started talking about how there's really no spaces of learning in which um, people of color can kind of develop their <laughs> kind of entrepreneurial skills. Um, okay. And so we kind of put our heads together. And they're also finding that, like, people in people of color in tech spaces um, were dealing with lots of kind of feelings of isolation and racism and things like that and really wanted a space in which they can be supported. The usual. As color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely the usual. Um which is important, but, you know, there's, like, a whole conversation in tech talking about diversity in tech and that we should definitely teach people to code because we got to put them in companies that are – and these it's never discussed about, well, okay, we can put people in predominantly white companies, but then they burn out, right? Like, how do we right, keep them right. from – how can we keep people being successful because racism is there. We're not we're not saying we, – it's not – black people can go work at your company and do that, and that's fine, and we know that racism is there, but how can we support the black person in your company? So that's what we're doing. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're trying to support people of color, face the inevitable. Um, but Blackstar Media is kind of our parent company, and our first product that we've launched is Blackstar Launch, which is our online uh, on-demand education platform. And so we provide online courses in entrepreneurship, personal development, um, and Technology, creative technology, so people can develop their skills and also be taught <laughs> by instructors who look like us, which is important because um, there's lots of information. And this, to me, this is kind of common sense, but a lot of people need to be kind of persuaded to believe that most people are successful learners when they learn from people who have a similar lived experience. And so, again, there's a lot of spaces online which focus on entrepreneurial um, kind of education that have <laughs> no black people don't talk about the kind of really strong history of uh, the, the black entrepreneur history in this country, um, erase amazing work that black entrepreneurs have done, um, and then kind of champion like one black person who may be may, and who may be the exception to whatever rules they kind of have instituted, and then um, it, you know kind of at the same time other entrepreneurs are kind of marginalized. And so we're like, how do we kind of figure, how do we remedy that? And so we, we're providing uh, courses for that. And we also do meetups, and we're also partnering with uh, Dev Bootcamp, which is a coding bootcamp. And we launched a pilot program this past December called Inclusive Dev, which is a resource group supporting their students of color. Um, which is amazing because it's the first time this program has ever been done with any type of uh, education and tech education company. So it's kind of cool <laughs> that uh, Black Star Media is kind of behind it. And our our main goal is to support their students of color so that they can actually get to the boot camp successfully. And once once they graduate, they can find better placement in the tech industry um, through the networks and stuff that they're building. And, yeah, so I can go on and on and so, on about what Black Community does, but we are really so, focused on Uh-huh. No, I was going to say, so who, if we were to, like, if there are people listening right now who are interested in certain uh, aspects of entrepreneurship, they should be looking to get involved and take a, a fellowship a course with Black Star Media. They should be looking to sign up. Oh, it is not a fellowship. You will purchase. <laughs> you can, yeah. You can go to. I mean, not fellowship in that sense, but uh, a course. Yeah, yeah. So everybody can go to uh, learnbiz.black, um, L E A R N dot B I Z. Oh no no L E A R N 
biz.black. I'm sorry. Um, so learnbiz.black, and you can um, visit Black Star Launch and see what type of resources we offer. And we're also always looking for feedback to know what people want um, because we, you know, as any good entrepreneur should be, you don't want to just <laughs> offer things that nobody wants, right? So because we are a startup and we are new um, and figuring out what kind of services we want people are looking for, um, we're always uh, soliciting feedback. But please visit us and um, see what type of we offer membership models where you can become a creator in residence um, and kind of have all your kind of business needs met um, through, through our platform. And so really shift about how to really launch what, you, you know, your ideas and your career or kind of figuring out how to sustain yourself and what you're doing right now. So. Absolutely. Um, Courtney, what are some of the projects on the horizon for yourself um, or for Blackstar Media and Blackstar Launch um, or TransHack? Um, can you talk about that? And you also, you own the store. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Like, you know, you, you do own a clothing store, correct? Yeah, I, um, I'm, I, like I said, um, yeah, when I couldn't find a job, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, uh, my partner and, uh, my partner at the time, um, we, I love vintage and fashion and clothes and I love it so much. <laughs> and so we kind of, um, she at the time was leaving her job with another company and I was like, we should, um, I was like, babe, you should, you should open up a business. Um, you should open up a, a boutique or something, do something in fashion. And she was like, I, could, I probably couldn't do that. And I was like, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. you know, let's figure out some type of partnership and, like, you know, let's launch it. And so we did that. And um, we're going on four years now. And my business partner is um, scaling the business into her own um, clothing line. So that's really cool. I kind of... Uh, I'm more so behind the scenes with that one because I have okay. so many kind of other things. Um, but, yeah, we're four years into it now. So how many vintage, H-A-L-M-O-N-I, <laughs> vintage, we are on Second Avenue in Oakland, so come through. Um, yeah, it's just always I like to be involved in, like, all types Damn. of like, endeavors that, that I like um, and that I – to figure out how to, yeah, um, sustain myself. Absolutely. What's on the horizon um, in the future? I future projects in this year. Um, <laughs> no, the right. main focus is again, um, Black Star Media. Figuring out how to scale that again. Feedback is is, is welcome from anybody out there listening. Um, and figuring out how to just build wealth for people of color. Um, that's what the rest of my life is going to be dedicated towards and um, really doing it through this company. Um, so I'm excited to, to 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 be at this juncture in my life um, and have a project that I, um, I'm i nervous about <laughs> um, because, you know, I think when you tell people you're, you're doing something for people of color, and especially when you're educating people of color, uh, it kind of gets devalued. And especially when you're in in the startup game and you're trying to, you know, figure out how to solicit funds and, and, and get funds to, to build your product, it, it can be quite a difficult role to navigate. But I'm super excited. I don't, I don't think I would could be doing anything else right now. Um, and, yeah, so thank you for letting me be able to talk about it <laughs> and ramble. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much for dropping all that knowledge You have been super dope. Um, where can folks find you if they want to reach you, Courtney? Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at fake rapper, so tweet at me. And also visit, again, learnbiz.black and find out what TransHack will be up to in 2015 at org. That's T-R-A-N-S-H-A-C-K. 
dot org. Um, the future of Transact will uh, definitely be seeking uh, more funds and also uh, to fill positions. So that that's going to be super cool. <laughs> so Absolutely, that's definitely super dope. And just look for awesome things in the future from Courtney. Thank you so much, Courtney, for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for opening up your offices and your space and your headquarters at TransHack to the Kitty Bella Show. Um, we love you. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you. Thank you so yes. much. Awesome. This has been so amazing. I'm so super excited for today's show. You guys out there, I hope that you learned a lot in terms of the trans experience and in terms of what it is like to be a black entrepreneur out here. We will be having another live show a week from today. Please join us next week as we will have another amazing guest. Go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Kitty Bella Show and check out our upcoming episodes, please. Until then, stay in the light and stay in the love.